What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 146 of your favorite podcast, The Grown-Eye Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Haley, alongside my co-host, Brandon Long. And today, we're going to talk to you about my thoughts on RIR training. This is reps and reserve training. There's a huge stigma that I don't believe in it, or I don't agree with it, and that is not the case. So inside, I'm excited to break down my beliefs on it, and I hope that it helps you guys out. Have your notepads ready, as always. Grown-Eye Podcast brought to you by Revise Submission, brought to you by Raw Submission. Come to Haley at checkout to support your boy. Leave us five stars. Leave us a review shares with your friends we greatly appreciate it i'll see you inside i was gonna start this podcast with all right you guys but brandon always makes fun of me for starting every podcast with all right you guys i don't know just like how do you start a podcast so like when we record the podcast we don't we do the intro after the podcast i think i've said that to you guys before and like we don't edit anything and you guys know that how the fuck do you start a podcast like what's the right way it to start a podcast like, it almost just feels like it's like that's what my teachers used to say to me like, yeah class yeah all right you guys pull out your notebooks so open to chapter three yeah in the last episode i talked about dude honestly or maybe two episodes i just feel like i'm hanging out with you guys yeah like i feel like y'all are like i'm not like, saying in a bad way i know but it's kind of funny because i wonder funny. if i I wonder if the <laughs> listeners are like, all right, you guys, <laughs> I'm fucking mocking my dumbass. <laughs> they probably don't mock that. <laughs> they probably don't. They mock the opening though. <laughs> some of you guys are really fucking. I good try to mock it too. sometimes. I know. I, I've gotten some really funny videos of people like nailing the opening, yeah. like absolutely nailing. We it. talked about this the other day. People trying to nail your laugh. Yeah, like, yeah, get, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Jordan Duggar definitely does it best. Jordan Duggar's. Justin Mahaley impression is better than Justin Mahaley. <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. It's kind of fucking amazing. Um, remember, we are going to be picking five folks who leave us five-star reviews, comments for $100 Amazon gift cards. We'll be announcing those here on the show starting next week. Really excited for that. I guess, I don't know. It's just my, it's, it's like, how can I give back? Mm -hmm. how, how the fuck can we say thank you for year one? Like, this is one way. I don't know, dude. We might just keep doing it. Like, like we it. might just do it every month. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't see why not. It's like, how else can we give back? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so, Make sure that you're doing that. Make sure to leave us five stars. Leave that comment. Share us with your friends. We greatly appreciate you. Today, I want to talk to you about my thoughts on reps and reserve training because there's a massive, there's a massive misunderstanding of my thoughts on reps and reserve training because I'm such a proponent of athletes training to failure. Well, this doesn't mean that I don't agree with reps and reserve training, that there's not a time and a place, and that it doesn't serve a great purpose. But the reality is, just right off the bat, you want to be a huge, I mean, you want to be an overly muscular bodybuilder. Like, you want to be yoked out of your mind. RIR is not going to have a ton of place within, uh, within building that physique, right? That physique is built by constantly pushing the envelope every single day as far as you possibly can. Your minimum simulating threshold point, you're just abusing it every single day. It's beating the logbook for years and years and years on end. Um, you know, the, the the training is kind of the driver for muscle growth, and, you know, food just kind of comes in behind that and, and you know, allows your body to be able to adapt. Um, you know, if you have a lot of muscle to put on, and I'm going to get into my thoughts a little bit, I mean, you have a ton of muscle to put on, then... I don't believe RIR training is the best route to go, but my biggest issue with it that I'm going to cover in here, 
most of you guys are completely lying about your RIR. Like you think it's two and you're actually at five. And there's plenty, there's plenty of research that shows this. And I mean, I see it um, on Instagram. I see it on Instagram where it's a highlight reel, right? People are posting their best fucking shit. I mean, there's, there's people who I would consider pretty experienced lifters. I wouldn't say advanced, um, but my definition of advanced is slightly different than, um, most others there's very experienced lifters who are you know posting their training sessions and they're talking about rir and it's like that was not a two mm-hmm. that was not a one like that was not taken to three or even zero right yep. even hit zero right um so what is rir rir stands for reps and reserve this is a scale that suggests the proximity to failure that you would take a movement Okay, so essentially with RIR training, a zero is you take that set to complete mechanical failure, where on the last rep, your form is still good. Okay, Um, there's many ways to there's many ways people teach RIR. Um, I'm not sure what the best way is there. Honestly, it's a little bit out of my teaching. It's a little bit out of my wheelhouse because how I teach it is I have athletes understand what training to true failure is. I mean, real failure. I mean, actual fucking failure, not what, you know, 90, 95% of, you know, folks are doing. I mean, actually taking a set to a breaking point, right? It's basal usage just to hopefully facilitate more volume and less stress to recover from, which in turn allows us to hit a muscle more often throughout a cycle of training. And therefore that equals more recoverable tension from the repeated trauma. So, you know, I talk about minimum ceiling threshold point a lot. And with RIR, the goal is to kind of bump it. We want to bump it. We want to keep bumping it, right? With, you know, the style that I like to train that I have my athletes train, I want, I want to crush that fucking thing. I want to crush that minimum similarity threshold point. And then when we have to pull it back down, we have an adaptation to where, man, it's really fucking high up there. We need to, you know, we, it's very difficult to reach and force new growth, new adaptation. Because, you know, you only get, um, man, I used to have a great analogy for this one. But to break it down in layman terms. So everyone is, everyone has a, uh, um, let's say everyone has 10 feet of progress to make, right? And some people's 10 feet is going to look different than others, all right? Um, like if you're genetically inclined, or 10 feet, 10 feet will be the basal, right? An average person is 10 feet. So a majority of us have 10 feet. A genetically gifted person, they might get 30 feet of progress. In the same time, you only get 10 feet. Um, a genetically gifted person might have... 15 feet but the work it takes to get that 15 feet is less work than it takes for you to get the 10 feet right we need to we only have that much to get we can't create more we can't pull out more this is all that your body is capable of getting is that 10 feet right how do we ensure that we get those 10 feet we ensure that we get that 10 feet of progress that we get to take 10 steps forward in our physique over a given time through constantly beating that minimum simulated threshold point, pushing it further, 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 by obviously handling all recovery variables, which is diet, which is stress mitigation, which is sleep, which is you know monitoring um, your biofeedback, like your blood glucose, your um, resting heart rate, your heart rate variability. All these things are very, very important. Um, just how you're feeling in general, any aches, fatigues, pains, things like that. Um, being able to utilize every tool possible to get that 10 feet of progress is extremely critical. It's, it's very, very critical because it's only 10 feet over a given time. Say a given time is three months. So that three months, you can only plausibly go 10 feet. 
But what if you're not training hard enough? My problem, one, another problem I have with RIR is it leaves room for what ifs. You hey, never know. You take a set to mechanical fair, there ain't no what ifs. Right. There's no what ifs anymore. Like you've done absolutely everything you've, you could. You've obliterated, mm -hmm. you know, the, the you, you've, you've obliterated that minimum swimming threshold point. You've pushed your body to a place where its recovery component's massive. You know, people get so worried about recovery from training to failure. And I'm like, dude, there's people who 50% of their bodies are fucking burned from an accident and they're recovering, like, and walking and mm -hmm. living and breathing and doing light. Like, you're worried about micro trauma calls to your body, to your muscles yeah. over time. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? There's people losing limbs uh -huh. who, are con who are continuing to live. Who and are putting on, you know, <laughs> um, prosthetic legs and exactly. still fucking training. And still training like Megan yeah. has that one client. Dude, he's a beast. Right? He's a monster. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, people worry so much about this recovery component, that, but that they worry more about that than they do actual performance of the athlete. And performance of the athlete, that's what matters. Hey, listen, whether you're if you're an athlete whatsoever, you have a very high recovery rate, rate of recovery. So guys in the NFL and the in, in the NBA, it's unlike anything I've ever fucking seen. Those guys, they just fucking recover. They also have all the tools to help facilitate. Like they're those genetic freaks. They get 30 feet of recovery when the rest of us get 10, mm -hmm. right? And, and, like, everything that they're doing is circumvented towards recovery for optimal performance, right? We, we all, any athlete, anyone who's been an athlete, who's put their body through something, whether it be competitive sports, now it's turning into bodybuilding, you know, hopefully those two combined, you have a high rate of recovery. Your body's been recovering your whole life. I mean, fuck, when we were kids, there wasn't a day sports weren't played. Mm -hmm. I mean, for 12, 14 years, yep. every single day a sport was played, practice games, practicing other sports while you're in season for other sports. Like, we're never not playing sports. Right. And Even like, when it's like recess. When you're, yeah. You're not you're not in a season, essentially, but you're still playing sports. But you're still playing Game sports. Whether it's kickball, dodgeball, four yeah. square. All of that stuff is a stimulus, mm -hmm. right? And yes, we're not as young and we're not as resilient as then anymore. Um, our connective tissue, you know, is not either, unfortunately, especially mine. Um, but our our bodies are still very efficient. They, they've been recovering for us our entire lives. So now if you're someone who you go into bodybuilding, you weren't, you aren't from an athletic background, you're not much of an athlete, you know, this might be a little different. It might be something, um, you know, worth watching throughout your bodybuilding endeavors. But you are going to fucking recover. And with any training cycle, training to failure, RIR, doesn't matter. There's going to be a time where you just need to pull back. Well, that's perfectly okay. That's where communication with the coach comes into play. That coach makes that call. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, you know, feeling a little brain fog, a little fatigue, low motivation in the gym, a little aches, pains. Um, you know, blood glucose is going to be higher. RHR is going to be higher. HRV is going to be lower. You know, all those things. Like, okay, well, we clearly just need to pull back. Mm -hmm. Training. It's like people are so obsessed with this recovery component that they're like missing the forest for the tree. Mm -hmm. Like hey, you're going to recover. Right. I mean, if you're a bodybuilder, that means you're hitting all your marks, mm -hmm. right? You're hitting everything. Mm -hmm. You're not just training hard and then you you don't you fuck off the rest of your, um, you know, of your protocols, right? Like like you're hitting everything here. When you, so when you, when you pull back on um, training, would you do less sets? 
So, or would you do not? Very good failure? question. Let's see. Right now, so recently, I had a guy, Jeff Short. Um, he took a full week off of training. Um, let's see. I had another guy. Who was that? Um, had another guy that just pulled one set from everywhere. Um, Cecily just pulled one set from everywhere. So it just, it's, it's athlete it varies. Yeah, yeah, it varies. Um, so like, so so, gosh, I was gonna say like, what's it vary on? But it's it's, it's still so far beyond that. So Jeff's probably put on like 40, 50 pounds of tissue since we started almost two years ago. Like it's, it's ridiculous. He was a real skinny dude, mm-hmm. straight up and down. He didn't have any curvature in his physique. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, I mean, he's a tall guy too. I think he's like six, three, maybe. Um, and now he's like two thirty ish or so. Um, so like we've put so much stress on his body on those connective tissues. Um, and, and, and constantly just forcing a neurological adaptation to the training um, and the supplementing that I was like, dude, just take a week. You know, he was complaining, you know, th- 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 there, were, there were some aches, pain stuff, but also changes started happening less drastically. And in order for him to get more weight, we had to compensate some form and intent. And I don't want him to do that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you know, we, we just took a week off, uh, got right back in, started beating the logbook again, right? Um, honestly, with most people, I'd like to just see him take two weeks off. Um, but it's like you got to keep the mental health component in check with your athletes. Like, dude, this is our outlet. This uh-huh. is what we do. That We wake up and we train. Yeah. Like, we take one rest day and you and I are, it's like 8 p.m. at night and you and I are like, it's time to fucking train. Yeah. Like, like we need to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. It's just our thing. This is our passion. I can't imagine taking seven days. I know. I know. I would feel like a, at some point you're going to have it this year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You feel small. You feel pathetic. You feel, yeah. I wake up, look at myself. I'm just like flat. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and that's the big effect that does happen. Like you do go pretty flat because you know the con- the normal volumization that you're going to have mm-hmm. is your immune system's kind of voice pushing recovery, recovery, facilitating recovery, recovery. Um, your your volumization is going to be down, so you you are actually going to look flatter. But you know, it doesn't mean you lose anything. It's just it's a mental fuck that it's part of the one. It's one of the mental fucks of bodybuilding. Um, Cess, we're figuring out some nausea stuff going on, um, with her training right now. We started by pulling back, um, the volume and, um, we've, we've implemented some other items. They were just trying to pinpoint exactly where we're at, um, and what's going on. Um, who the hell was my other athlete that I just had pull back training? So basically if someone's really beat up to, um, like, like they've made progress like Jeff. And they've never taken a week off and you've been with me, you know, that, that long duration, a week off is a really good move, especially as as, you know, you enter a plateau phase, which is going to happen. Plateaus do happen, will happen as part of bodybuilding. Um, For other people, it's who maybe haven't put on that much tissue in that time. It's just a matter of pulling back or, um, you know, I, I have some people that were, we're doing some stress mitigation work in right now. We'll do like three to four RIR, um, you know, in all of our training, just leaving reps in reserve. And Jazzy is one of them that we're doing three to four RIR right now across the board with everything. Um, so, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, 
there's a lot of different usages and a lot of different ways that, um, you know, we can utilize RIR. I don't think it's great for a, for a consistent training method. Mm -hmm. And again, I say that this isn't like, like when Dr. Mike Israel, one of the most respected, um, physiologists in the world, potentially the best physiologist in the world. When he's talking about training, he's talking to people like me and you, Hey, you tell me to get in under a set. You tell me to leave two reps in the tank. I know right where that's at. Exactly. Dude, I have a lot of clients who don't know where that's at still. And they're really advanced people. I have IFPB pros that don't know where that's at. Okay, like that that that's a very that's hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. And you know, Mike Israel, he talks about this shit too. Like, why are beginners doing RIR? <laughs> If you're a beginner, you're worried about RIR. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're again, we're missing the forest for the tree. Right. If you're intermediate, and, and so you don't here, know what that is yet. Yeah, here when I'm discussing beginner, intermediate, advanced, I'm going to go with more with everyone's definition of them. Like if you're intermediate and you're doing RIR, you know, we we still need to have some intensifiers or some sort of tr- uh, of failure. Um, some sort of failure stimulus throughout the training session, likely every day, every training, every training session that you have, not on your rest days, obviously. And like when you're advanced, how advanced are you? Like, are you remember when we did that podcast talking about beginners and like different levels of fitness? Mm -hmm. So like my definition of advanced on there, those people can benefit from RIR and like people like, Sean Roden, mm-hmm. Phil Heath, yeah. um, like top of the top mm-hmm. who like, they, there's no more muscle being put on those frames, but they can still refine and sort of sculpt their physique. Like they can benefit from RIR. Their connective tissue has been pounded for 20 years. Like at some point training to failure is not the best route anymore. But like if your goal is putting mu- more muscle on training to failure, I, I, I will believe I'll die on the fucking hill that it's the best route to take. The issue is, People go from an RIR approach, and I'm really getting off on a different tangent here, but I think this is good learning stuff for people. In an RIR approach, you're going to notice volumes much higher than a training to failure approach. So, like, you know how we train. Correct. It's like eight, nine, ten sets. Mm-hmm. RIR, yeah, I mean, there, you know, it's 16, 17, 18. Can you imagine doing that much? And no way. No. I mean, we, we get to 10, that, we did 10 today and I like went in Abriana's office for my massage. And I was like this, I feel awful. Like I feel brutal after mm-hmm. that session. Right. Um, so like it's, it's higher volume. So people think that you just go one for one and that's where they, that's the fat. There's a massive fallacy within that belief because if you're going to train to fail, you pull back volume a ton. And when you train to fail, you know, you notice we train to failure in three different rep ranges i have it set up that way intentionally yep because we are taxing we're we're biasing predominantly different target fibers throughout our training session i i I program my athletes the exact same way there's fast switch there's more adaptable or uh, the more adaptable or uh, um, fast uh, more intermediate which can be changed between a slow and fast i call them intermediate there's slow twitch so there's really two types of slow twitch fibers but some can be changed back and forth mm-hmm. there's fast switch fibers well we need to train them all you know your very slow twitch fibers that's going to come around the the tear the brutal intensifiers at the end of those 
when we're doing like the uh, the extreme chest press and we're not even getting ten fucking reps, dude, that's fast switch work. Yeah, it's and you hard. can feel it. That shit's hard. You can feel it. Yeah, I think that fast switch works so much harder. Seven reps, so much harder. Yeah, dude, I only got seven with the nineties on both my sets. I only got seven with the nineties. Wow. Yeah, the way that we're dumbbell pressing, I yeah, I hit the one twenty fives for five, one tens for five, and then two sets of nineties for seven. Yeah. yeah, I I so I added I added a couple sets there to make up for the volume I'm missing from last week. Yeah, that's holy shit. I need something, dude. I'm feeling it on that Those on suck. that specific exercise. I don't know why I feel like ten has always just kind of like been like that mark. It's the goal, and I haven't hit it once. Yeah, and like for some reason it's seven on that exercise. It is like, like seven is that kingpin mark. number. Yeah. So on the way that we're dumbbell pressing, we're gripping the dumbbells like at the very. So if you're sitting there before you start. You have the dumbbells on your knees. We're gripping the dumbbells at the very top. Like we're choked all the way up. Like you choke up in a, on a bat at the very, very, very top, not in the middle at the very top. Like our, our hands, the ring of our thumb and pointer finger is on the top of the dumbbell is on the, or on the bottom of the actual dumbbell. Mm-hmm. Right. So we go back, we keep it like that and we put it in an extreme stretch and I have much more flexible pec fibers than you and Ty do, so I get a way bigger stretch uh-huh. than you guys do. I don't even know how that is. Probably Abriana. It's probably from Abriana, honestly. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so I bring the dumbbells. Literally, the dumbbells are starting like by my pecs, not above my pecs, literally by. Mm-hmm. The stretch is unreal. Almost on the side. Almost on the side. It looks crazy yeah. as fuck. And remember where a hand placement is. And then we press up. And as you press up, remember your pecs function is to pull your humerus, which is your upper arm, to the midline of the body we press up we think about driving to the midline of the body and if you're watching on youtube you can see this so i'll square up with you guys we're starting down here and we finish with our thumbs flared completely up and our pinkies down just like so and then you go all the way back down hold it at a stop again in an extreme stretch as much as you can stretch and you just rep that out dude it is brutal and i was just thinking about it one night that i was like man that makes that makes a dumbbell chest press extremely pec dominant um, and it does. Yeah. I mean, fuck, dude. We do, it torches us. And we do that third. <laughs> yeah. That's our third exercise after the football bar incline in the, um, in the, um, the chest fly yeah. thing that we do. So, anyways, getting off on a little tangent there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, this RIR can be conducive for muscular growth. Real quick, I want to tie up the, the, the last piece. If you're going to train to failure, your volume needs to be cut in half from what you're used to with RIR. If you're going into RIR, you probably need about double the volume that you're going to do, uh, utilize training to failure for. All right. I think that's a decent rule of thumb based on what I've seen out of people who I respect out of their programming for failure versus RIR. So RIR can be conducive for muscle building. It can because we can still reach that minimum ceiling threshold point. I believe competitive bodybuilders, if you have a lot of tissue to build, that you take your sets to failure, low volume, extremely high effort and intensity, utilize intensifiers we're able to. Research has found that people are much worse with higher rep RIR estimation. So I talked about training through different rep ranges, and a majority of our session has spent over 10 reps. We, I mean... 
push day is the only day we really have much under 10 reps. We'll mm-hmm. have on all other days, we'll have maybe two, one or two sets total under 10 reps. Um, so like a majority of bodybuilding works done over 10 reps and there's a plethora of research that suggests, um, over 10 reps, RR estimation gets very, very, very hard. I mean, just think about it for yourself, your personal anecdote, what's easier. Hey, leave two RIR around rep five or leave two RIR around rep 15. Those are vast. Yeah. Five's like, Hey, I can, I don't even know if I can do 15. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I'd feel confident hitting an RIR two on 15 reps. I don't think I can. No, that'd be really hard. That'd be really Depending hard. Depending on the, on the movement. Yeah. 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 It is movement dependent. Like, on a machine, I'd be able. I'd not on any cable or a free weight. No way could I. No way could I. Um, people are worse with higher RIR gauging, which is over four. So if you say someone like four, five, six RIR, which commonly those are more, you know, um, like work up sets or feeder sets, um, they're going to be you know difficult. But feeder sets are still volume. That's still volume, and that still needs taken into account. So, like, even though that set's intention wasn't to be utilized as a true working set, it is still volume accumulation, and there's still an element of muscle fiber breakdown that's that's occurring within that. Um, people perform much worse on set one. Again, there's research that, that, that does say that when you're training with RIR, that you're set one. I mean, I can I can allude to this with training to failure. Set one's like you finish, and you know it's like I I don't think I had another rep in there, but maybe four or five minutes go by. You think about that set, and it's like fuck, dude. Can I squeeze another one out? Yeah. Like sometimes you go in the next set and you squeeze another one out. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, if it's happening with proximity to failure being zero with you know very advanced lifters, well then it's going to happen with people not. Not there. And obviously less experience means less accurate counts, Mm -hmm. right? So my issue with RIR is the majority of folks aren't close to advanced enough to actually using it and actually understanding what training to failure entails. First and foremost, number one, kingpin. What is RIR zero? What does that feel like? RIR zero leaves you dizzy, a little bit nauseous, slightly blacked out at the end of a set, depending on what movement it is extremely fatigued after a set. Like I always talk about, Hey, if you can finish a set and you can just like go walk around and shit, like you did not do that set very hard. I mean, it, it even set one tail on that, on that chest fly. Like I just finished, I sat there, I grabbed my phone, I logged the fucking lift and I was just like, fuck it. It, it takes you a minute. Mm-hmm. It takes you a minute to kind of regather yourself. Yep. Cause you're squeezing so hard and you're pushing so hard and like usually you close your eyes or something like that that it's like fuck when all the pressure is finally gone. Yep. Like you just need to regather just yourself. Get all lightheaded. Like can you train there? Like can can are you guys actually be real? Are you actually training there? If not, then you don't know zero RIR. So mm-hmm. how the fuck can you gauge two? Yeah. And how are you supposed to get better? Because let me say two RIR is a brutal set. <laughs> That feels horrid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not easy. No. RIR training is not easier than training to failure. There's only one time that I've done it with you, and that was because I was, 
like four yeah. days out from the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember that, and I was there and that watching. Was still hard. Yeah, yeah. It's still difficult. Yeah, absolutely. it's not easy. Like you're going one, two, three RIR. That is not hard. I think you know around four RIR. Not very challenging. One, two, three, bro. You are pushing. Mm-hmm. So you understand what zero RIR is first and foremost, or else your RIR training programming. You guys heard me saying RIR yet? No. Your training programming is is not going to be very conducive for you. Um. A majority of training to failure, and I see this in my athletes when I'm assessing, you know, training videos every day. I'm assessing, I'm assessing, you know, the 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 ex- exercise execution, but I'm accept, I'm assessing the mental approach here as well, and how far you are truly able to push your body. I see a lot of one to two RIR rather than zero, rather than actual failure, and understand. A majority of my athletes are t- the sets they're sending me are top sets. The top sets taken to failure, um, and I see a lot of one to two RIR. Uh, you know, I have a lot of very advanced athletes, which I'm grateful for, but not all of them are hitting zero RIR uh, very consistently, right? So, I think not understanding what that what 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 that zero RR is and actually being able to tap into and go there it holds back progressions greatly, especially as you're going through different cycles. Um, it 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 also seems common again. This is just from people I respect. Um, I respect how they program. It seems like training switched up a little bit more often in RIR focused stuff. I'm not saying this is God, uh, as, as like concrete. I'm saying this is, this is my anecdotal experience from people who, again, I respect who I know, know how to program really fucking well with the best of them. The training program switches a little bit more often. And to me, a problem is I don't want to switch a training program until there's true mastery. I want to see true mastery of the movements we have here on paper in front of us happen first. Mm -hmm. After that, let's hit a plateau where things tail off a bit. And after that, let's assess, we'll we'll go through our normal plateau strategizing. And if we need new training, then we will bring in new training. Okay. So if we're too far from fair, the optimal simulation won't be reached and adaptation won't be forced to occur. We won't hit that minimum simulated threshold point. Like I said, most people are training too far from this place and that's why the muscular gains they have on RIR training are smaller than people who use sealed takes. That's to, to true failure. True four to zero RIR can be very conducive. We have a lot of research to say this is fantastic for muscular growth and has a great purpose. But again, only in my opinion for advanced athletes, you really need to understand how to get to zero first and foremost. Um, I believe that we should be focused on finding what your failure point is. I believe we should focus on perfect execution and movement um, within different patterns. Um, I believe that we should have all exercise execution simplified before we look into anything like RIR and whatnot. I, I, I think we, we, you first... You need to understand how the fuck to push. You need to understand how do you fucking tap into it and you just go hard, attack, attack, get the fuck after it, leave nothing left on the table. And then from there, I believe is when we, you know, we can start looking at these things, not we as my athletes, but we as folks who listen to this podcast that aren't yeah. my athletes. Before we, before we wrap it up or um, move on to the next, whatever it is, I want to ask a question. When training, going from failure yeah. to RIR, um, is it important to not change the load or change the load or kind of like 
Yeah. Um, kind of feel that out before you, you go into a set. Because if you're going, hey, I'm leaving to IRR, should I um, bump the load? Yeah. Or if yeah. I'm training to failure now, should I reduce the load? Yeah. So I think that's a really good question. If you're going back and forth, you're transitioning one to the other, let's stick with what you know. So what you know is the load that you've already that you've already used, and within that load, um, you know we've mastered execution, we've mastered the your personal biomechanics for it, and then the execution of the actual load moving through space, and you know we've mastered the mental side of actually taking a set there all the way. So I'm gonna stay with the same load, but now we just pull things off. So, for example, if you're going through, if your coach wants you to go through a deload. And you're going to do two RIR on everything this week. Last week, you did the incline press for three, 315 pounds for seven reps, okay? Your progression over the last six to eight weeks has shown that this week, you should probably add another rep to that, and that'd be eight reps. So we can say that your RIR of two here should get to six, in my opinion, that's how I would approach it. Your progressions every single week lead to this outcome. Why would this week be any different? We're going through a slight deload. We're going to go to six. Now, if you go, or that wouldn't even really be a deload per se. If we're going, to, so we're going true deload. So we're, let's go three RIR or something like that. Four RIR. Any of those? I would take from where you are supposed to be. So same load. I wouldn't bump load. I would keep the same load, and I would find what RIR feels like, right? Um, I think that's a really good question. I, I definitely think that's something to help people, especially my athletes when I say, hey, this week we're doing, you know, one, two, three RIR on every movement, right? Just use uh, um, the load that you're used yeah, to. Yeah, use the exact same load. Um, just make changes, you know, there within your rep scheme, um, and then from there, I think that we're kind of mastering. We're, we're, we're foolproofing RAR because we're taking the logbook and we're saying, okay, literally subtract two yeah. from where it's supposed to be. That makes sense. Like, that's pretty foolproof, right? right? Um, so I hope this helps you guys. I hope this helps you understand RAR a little bit better. I also, um, I know I'm very biased and where I stand with training, but RAR is a great tool for the right purpose. As always, it's my pleasure. I'll see you next time.